Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Raina Boston. Hello, Raina. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. So my name is Raina Boston. I'm based right outside of St. Petersburg, Florida. And I, in my day job, I work in HR. I'm a co-founder of a nonprofit called Chamber of Mothers. And I am the founder of a platform called The Working Mantras, where I write about motherhood. Um, I have three kids. They are Axel, he's seven, Asher is five, and Aviva, the baby, is one. She will be 18 months in a couple days. I love the A names. <laughs> we love to stay on theme. Of course, Black folks love a theme. <laughs> <laughs> we love a good Meanwhile, I, <laughs> my sisters and I are all like RJB. I love it. After my dad. So we are all, it's a bunch of R's. You know what I love <laughs> about naming trends like that? Like the, the um, just like the theme of it is that when you go back and look at like your ancestry, you can start to pull that together. And I think that we think of it as like, oh, we just love, you know, a theme, but I think it's ancestral within that like because when you go back and look at like if you do like ancestry.com or something like that you can start to find like somebody's name or names that repeat family names or just like you said like all the a's i'm like oh i wonder if that one is her child too because the names are similar or something like that and it just it all just kind of comes together for me when i look at stuff like that but i'm also a history nerd so <laughs> it makes sense to me <laughs> Um, can you tell us about your pregnancy? We're going to start with Aviva. Is that right? Let's see how they yeah. roll. Actually, let's back okay. up. Let's back up. Can I, can I start with the first yes. one? Um, so home. Axel is my first born. Um, and he, he came about because Travis and I were um, practicing fertility awareness method and um, did not observe the tenants properly. And so we have a little Axel. And when I got pregnant with him, like I had always been a person that was into birth. Like I used to watch a baby story on TLC as a kid. Like I just was fascinated by birth. Um, and so I think I always knew that I wanted to breastfeed and that I wanted to have an unmedicated birth and like all of these things. Um, and of course, I saw the business of being born and I was like, you know what? I don't know about the hospital, but let me let me give this a, a whirl and see. So I ended up going to this doctor's practice that was across the street from our apartment and um, it was okay, but like I felt like I had like 10 minutes with them. They weren't really answering my questions. I knew that like I was rotating through a group and that I wasn't going to have, didn't know who I was going to have at my birth, basically. And of course, you start to um, develop preferences. And so I started looking into this birth center that was also near me, and I really wanted it. And I felt like, oh, am I being out there by wanting to do this thing? Am I being extra by wanting to have my 
baby outside of the confines of a hospital. And what really crystallized for me that a hospital birth, this traditional medical practice was not going to work for me, was I, you know, was feeling some type of way about the care. I was feeling like it wasn't giving me what I wanted. And I mentioned to the one doctor that I actually liked that, you know, hey, I'm actually, I'm considering transferring to a birth center. And she was like, you're crazy. And I'm like, I'm out of (laughs) here. I am not, will not be birthing with anybody that is talking to me in that way and is not trying to counsel or not that I was looking for her to convince me of anything, but more so like, we should have had a conversation about it and not jump to I'm crazy. Right. The judgment. So that was an immediate hell no for me. Yes. It was an immediate hell no. And I transferred to the this birth center and I had an amazing experience. I, it was awesome. Like we were, had as much time as we wanted in the appointments I didn't have to weigh, like I could step on the scale backwards. So I didn't have to know how much weight I gained. Like it was just a very laid back, warm, comforting environment. And so I was, you know, I transferred pretty early on in my, to the birth center pretty early on in my pregnancy. So I spent our whole pregnancy there. Travis came with me to like every appointment. Travis is my husband. And um, we had an amazing birth. So with him, with Axel, I, he came on his due date, which I know is really rare. Um, And I, uh, the day before a good friend had come over, we got pedicures and we were just hanging out and she's just like, I don't know if you noticed, but like, there's been a few times where you've tensed up. I think you're having contractions. When you get home, just start timing. And my contractions were all over the place. They were like four minutes apart, seven minutes apart, four minutes apart, eight minutes apart. There was no um, like 411 or whatever they say the timing is. Um, And Travis was trying to sleep. Like, so I was in the living room just kind of laboring on this ball that we didn't know had a hole on it. So it was just like (laughs) deflating throughout the night, like throughout my laboring And then the next morning I had texted my doula and I told her, you know, like, I think, I think something's happening. And when Travis wakes up, I'll tell him. So I told him, Hey, I think that we're getting close. Like, I think it's time. And he was like looking at the contraction timer app and he was like, well, according to everything that we have um, learned, I don't think it's time. And I went off on him. I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. I'm telling you what's happened. I lost my mucus. Like, I'm like going off. And he's like, okay, we'll go and we'll see what's going on and go from there. Um, So we drive to the birth center. That was the morning that Axel was due. Um, And I'd say we got there like around 839 a.m. And they're like, oh, you're like four centimeters, like you're, you're moving or four or six centimeters dilated, something like that. So they're like, we're going to just keep you. And so Axel came, I want to say at like five seventeen. So it felt like going into work, like you go in at nine and he was out by five seventeen. and his, he was born in the water. He was born in the tub. Um, and it was just a beautiful experience. Um, 
my doula was so amazing. Travis is such an amazing birth partner. He was very supportive, like did everything I needed him to do. Um, I, I feel like at one point he had like started looking at his phone and I was like, uh, uh-uh, I need you here. I need you focused on me. Like I need you with me like this whole time. Um, and so it just was a really beautiful experience. I did tear with Axel. Sorry, I'm going to try not to mix up their names. I did tear with Axel and they sewed me up. It was, um, you know, it was just a like, I couldn't have asked for a better first birth. You know, it was hard, um, but we got through it. Um, and then 10 months later, I found out that I was pregnant with Asher. So a recurring theme is Travis and I are not super great at birth control. Okay. okay? So like my kids are my Bob Ross ha- happy accidents. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and... <laughs> So 10 months later, we get pregnant and I found out right before the 2016 election that we're having this baby. Um, And I, of course, was just like, okay, the boys are going to be or the kids are going to be 20 months apart. I didn't know I was having another boy at that point. But I was like, everything, Travis and I were like, everything worked out so well at the birth center. We're just going to do the same thing that we did last time. And so we did. And Asher's, my experience with Asher was just like the same with the birth center was, it was, we had a good experience. His, you know, thinking about having a kid that comes on their due date and I'm like, okay, like it's going to be the same thing. No, Asher was eight days late. And in those eight days, I really got a little crazy. Um, I, was impatiently waiting for him to come. Um, I did not ever result to anything like castor oil because like I could just could not imagine anything worse than being pregnant, like super pregnant in the July heat of Florida and then also having diarrhea. So no, Um, I did not result to that. But like I tried everything. So I was you know, I got acupuncture. I'd been to the chiropractor. I like, you know, just was like on high alert for this baby. Um, and he just felt like he wasn't going to come. And I don't know if you remember the giraffe, April, who was pregnant forever. Yes. They had like a cam watching yes, her April. at one point. So that was at the, the zoo right by my house. <laughs> I was like, I told somebody, I was like, I'm going to move into Lowry Park Zoo with the other long gestating animals because this baby is just not going to come. Just- I mean, I was so dramatic. Oh my God. <laughs> and so I'm trying to think about that day, right? So we're eight days late. I'm finally seeing a chiropractor who's like, the. I saw her maybe when I was like two or three days overdue. When we know overdue is just kind of like, it's a suggestion. And she's just like, well, your like baby is high. Like there's like, this baby's not ready to come. Like, and also I feel like you're kind of stressed and on high alert and like, you just kind of need to chill. Right. And so I was like, okay. And like, I started seeing her and I was having nice visits and starting to calm down a little bit. And um, maybe like the day before he was due, I would walk at this park by my house. Cause at this point we'd move to a house. I'd walk by this park at my house and it was like 0.75 miles the loop. So like, the day before he came, I went around like three times and like people would call me and be like, 
are you still pregnant? Like, you know, what's going on? So it was only making my anxiety and annoyance like more. And so, (laughs) and so the next, I was like, okay, I'm going to walk around four times. And Travis might get a little annoyed with me for telling this story because he doesn't think that's how it happened. But like he was waiting to start his time off for when the baby came. And so he wakes up the morning that, or the day that Asher came and he was, had this thing over his eyes because to prevent the light from coming in and he wakes up, his alarm goes off and he's just like, is there any sign of anything happening? And I was like, no. And like, he took the thing off his eyes. I feel like it was just like a t-shirt and he like threw it across the room and he was like, I just don't want to go to work anymore. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't want to be pregnant anymore. Like, what is wrong with you? I was so mad. And I think it's because I was like, I'm big and pregnant. I'm at this point eight days overdue. And I'm like, this man has the audacity to say that he doesn't want to go to work anymore. I don't want to be pregnant. I don't want to be wandering around the July Florida heat with this basketball under my shirt. And so I'm like, okay, boom. I am going to walk around this loop four times. I did three times yesterday. I'm going to be able to do four times a day. Like we're doing the stuff. And I get around, I go to the park and I get around like two times and I'm just like, ugh, I'm feeling hot. I'm feeling tired. Like I don't have four loops in me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take Axel to the story time at the library. And I meet the same friend who was with me when I was in labor the first time. I meet her at the library with her daughter. And so we're at story time and it's a total shit show. Like Axel is on tin. He knocked over a flagpole and like almost took himself out. And so I'm like embarrassed. Okay. And so I like catch this flagpole. I'm sweaty. I'm big. You know, I'm like visibly over it. And so he knocks over this flagpole and then we're like progressing. It's only 30 minutes, right? And so the next thing I know, Axel finds this little girl at the story time, takes her face in his hands and just kisses her on the lips. He's not even two. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. I was like, I'm so sorry. And how do you talk to a not even two-year-old about consent? Like what the hell is going on? And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, like, I just am starting to feel weird. And my friend looks at me and she's just like, was that a contraction? I was like, I think. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm going home. And mind you, I'm still mad at Travis for him being like, I don't want to go to work today (laughs) because he'd gone to work. And I'm like, I'm not telling him, but I think I'm in labor. Like, I'll call, I'll inform him when I feel like it's, I'm ready to tell him. So, and it's lunchtime at this point. So he calls me and I was like, uh, yeah, we're wrapping up story time. And, um, since you called, by the way, I think I've had a couple contractions and he's like, okay, cool. I'm coming home. (laughs) That's all you wanted to do. And so he's like, can I stop working? (laughs) Yes. Right. Like, please. I'm, I'm over it. I'm over these people. And so I am eat this bowl of spaghetti because that was the leftovers. 
And I'm like, oh man, like things are getting more and more intense. And I'm like, okay, let me get on the bed. Let me get on all fours. Let me call my doula. Let me inform the people that something is happening. Um, And so my mom, who'd been calling me like every day to ask me what was going on. And I'm like, nothing, nothing's going on. I'm still pregnant. I call her to tell her, look, I'm in labor. And she's just like, she doesn't answer the phone. So I can't get in touch with any of the people who had been harassing me about when this baby was coming. Um, And so I'm like, okay, well, we need to get out of this house. Like I've called the birth center. I've called everybody. Like, let's just make our way over there. And um, it was like a 45 minute drive. So like, you know, in my first pregnancy, I was probably like, 15, 20 minutes away from the person or not far at all. Now we've added time. So I'm like in the front seat contracting. Axel's in the back seat. Travis is driving. He's not a fast driver. So I'm just like, oh my gosh. Um, and so we get to the birth center. My in-laws meet us there to get my son, Axel. I shamble into the birth center and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I think it's time. And they, I get there and they're like, oh, you're like six centimeters dilated. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, let's do this. Let's do it. And so that birth, that birth was like shorter because it was probably like two o'clock when I got there. Um, and I, you know, I get there, my doula comes very shortly after. And I just was like, wait, you know, the first birth, you don't really know what's going on. The second one, I'm like, okay, listen to my body. Like we are, I I just listened. I'm like, okay, I want to sway. I want to sit on the birth ball. I want to um, get in the tub. Like I just, I want to sit on the toilet. Like I just kind of listened to like what the pain was telling me to do. Um, And it was such an interesting birth because I had a midwife that I hadn't seen. Like I maybe only met her one time in the pregnancy. And she turned out to be so amazing. Like she turned out to be uh, just phenomenal. Um, With my first one, I had one, a midwife who started off in the hospital setting and like was very like, okay, you're at a 10 centimeters. Okay. And like with Axel, I pushed for like three hours. Like it was just like a whole to do. With Asher, she was so awesome. She's just like, I'm like, well, can I like, am I 10 centimeters? Do I push? And she's just like, do you feel like pushing? Um, and I was like, uh, no. And she's like, well, then don't push. Um, mm-hmm. And so I felt like I did a lot of listening to my body with, you know, all of my pregnancies and all of my births, my water never broke only in labor. Um, and so I just remember like, being on the bed on all fours and feeling like, oh shit, I'm about to throw up. I'm like, can I, somebody get me a bucket? And my midwife is like, yes. And I'm like, oh, spaghetti was a really regrettable choice for lunch. Um, and so I threw up. It Like his birth felt just like way more like intense, visceral, gross. <laughs> like I feel like Asher, Axel's in a way was like very like serene. I'm in the tub, like, you know, all the things. And then Asher, like very similar to how he is in nature is like intense. Like he's like, you know, he's taking his time, but when he's like ready, he's coming. 
Um, and so I threw up, which, you know, obviously I was in transition. And then I also remember being on the toilet and just like, oh man, like I could feel like all of that, you know, like that mass because like my water hadn't broken. And then all of a sudden I'm on the toilet and my water breaks. And obviously I did not really experience that with my first, like seeing, like feeling what it felt like or how intense it was. But my water breaks and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like my vagina just sneezed at all these people. Like my doula jumped back, like, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I have never heard it referred to as like, like it just sneezed. I've never heard anybody. It really was. It, it really was. And I was like, okay, that was gross. Um, I'm sorry. And everybody's like, no, don't worry about it. It's fine. And so I just was, like I said, listening to my body. Like I felt like I was way more connected with like what I like, just listen to my body. I know what to do. Like the baby knows how they want to be born, you know, all of those things. And so I ended up getting on the birth stool and I was like, oh, yes, like, I do not want to get out of this. And like, in my mind, I was like, oh, I want to have another water birth. And they're like, I just remember them being like, at one point, if you want to get have a water birth, you better get in the tub now. And so I'm like trying to get up and shamble over there. And I'm like, oh, hell no, this is not happening. We're having the baby right that here. Birth stool. And so he like, yes, that birth stool was yes, <laughs> it was amazing. So I'm, I'm on that stool and like, he come like he finally come like comes out and he's kind of gray he's kind of limp he's kind of I'm like oh my I'm like freaked out and I felt like everybody in the room was very calm but I'm just like what's wrong with my baby I was like what's wrong what's wrong with my baby what's wrong they're like there's nothing wrong just hold him and rub his back and talk to him I was like hello hi we're here I'm so happy you're here like like what's wrong what's wrong and finally, he perked up. And he also was covered in meconium, which, again, like, it was the grossest birth ever. Um, <laughs> and he ended up being fine. But, like, I think that we were all a little bit shook with him not, like, being, like, right away just, like, you know. And I feel like Asher was like that a little bit, too. But I think just because we had such a long time pushing, he probably was tired, too. Um, but he ended, Asher ended up being fine and fiery and like he's just he's so funny um but he's like his birth he's intense and also like he's doing shit on his own time um and so that was my first was born in 2015 my second was born in 2017 and then we had a long spell of no babies and just like a very interesting season in our marriage of having two very small kids um, and I want to share with everybody listening to this that the ages of zero to three is like the hardest time on a marriage. And so then you compound it times two, like feeling like, you know, my boys are 20 months apart. It felt like very, very intense. So we went through like just a very interesting season in our marriage. Um, and then 2020 happened, which was like a weird time for everybody, right? I don't think we ever didn't have any consensus of like, did we want to have more kids? Like I kind of felt like we were, weren't done, but I also kind of felt like, I don't know, this marriage is weird. Like, I don't know, like, 
I don't even know what's next for us as a couple. And then 2020 happened and um, it was very weird on a lot of levels for the two of us. But what ended up happening was just like a lot greater clarity on like wanting to be together and wanting to like to continue as partners. Um, And it was like just really cool. It felt like a rebirth in a lot of ways for like us as individuals and us as a couple and as a unit. Um, and we'd also moved again. So we moved closer to be closer to my in-laws because they help a lot with the boys. And it just like felt like very, after a very weird and a very hard season, it felt like, oh, like we're doing something new. Like I, like we're choosing each other. Um, and like, we've talked about like, okay, well, do we want to have a third? Like, I don't know. I feel like a third is kind of crazy. I feel like it blows up all the logistics. You got to get a bigger car. You Like, there's so many changes that have to happen in order to make a third happen. And I think neither one of us wanted to say like, yes, we want a third. We're going to try for a third. And so again, we had a happy accident in 2021, somewhere around the MLK weekend. <laughs> Got it narrowed down. I just remember the extra day off. (laughs) I did the math, did the math, and did the homework. Said day off of work. Yeah, long week. Valentine's Day, baby. (laughs) After I don't know where he came from. And Aviva, like I've narrowed it down. We know exactly, you know, about what happened. And so, like, we weren't trying or anything like that. And I just remember feeling like a few weeks later, weird. I'm like, ugh, my period is going to come. Like, I'm just feeling off. Like, just like, I'm bloated. Like, I just feel off. But like, it did not occur to me that I would be pregnant. Well, I had a dream um, somewhere in like, I would say February-ish. My dad passed away in 2016. So he met Axel. Um, but did not meet Asher. And I had this dream that my dad, who was like the coolest, calmest, like easiest guy ever was in my dream. And he's never in my dreams. And my dad was like, everything is going to be okay. And I'm like, I woke up and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, what does he mean? Everything's going to be okay. I should take a pregnancy test. And so I did. And I took a walk and forgot about it. I have ADHD, by the way. So, like, I just was like, oh, squirrel, go in and take a walk. It's a nice day. And I went back in the bathroom and I was like, oh, yeah, I took that pregnancy test. And it was on the windowsill. And I, like, jumped back. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, "Um, Travis, when you come home, like, do not make any unnecessary stops. Just come home. Like, just come home. I, like, was in a state of shock. Like, could not believe that I was pregnant. And so he came home, and I had, like, on the bed, like, some, I forget what it, it said. It, like, I have a picture of it on my phone, but I'm like, basically, sir, you can like barely pill out of a parking space, like apparently, because like, here we are, we're pregnant again. <laughs> and he was like, no way. I was like, yes. A weak pullout game. Here we go. I'm pregnant. Yes. Terrible. 
<laughs> and so <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, we're just going to do what we did the first two times. We're going to go back to the same birth center. Like everything's going to be fine. Like that's what we're doing. Um, well, I mean, the world had changed. We were still in the middle of a pan and still are in a pandemic. And so, you know, like at first the changes like weren't readily apparent to me. And also like, I want to set this, the scene that I'm in Florida, which is like weird on a good day. And the pandemic like truly only made it weird, weirder and worse. Um, and so I'm like, Hey, like, let me just resume care. Like I had a great experience these first two times. Like I'm sure this, there's no reason for this to be any different. And so everything starts out fine. But when I have my first appointment, um, I, they were like, okay, well your BMI is like high. So we want to do all these things. And I'm like, that's weird. Like you guys didn't ever care about that before. Um, and they're like, well, you know, just some things have changed and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you, you're going to have to weigh yourself now and like record it and know and, and all these things. And I'm like, that doesn't really feel good to me, but okay. Like we've, I've been here two times before. Like, why would I mess up a good thing? And so then they're like, okay, well, we also want you to take, um, what is it? Baby aspirin every day, because I never had high blood pressure, never had preeclampsia, never had any of those things. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird because like, I don't have any of those things. So like, why do you want me to do this? And the nurse, not the midwife, the RN was like, well, because you know, of your race and your BMI. And I'm like, hmm, that doesn't feel good either. And like, maybe I'm overreacting. Like I just, I just was like feeling very, starting to feel uncomfortable at the beginning. And like, I wish I would have paid attention to that feeling. And so there was that, the BMI, the having to weigh myself. And then they were like, oh yeah, also we are going to um, screen you early for gestational diabetes, like super early, like ahead of 12 weeks early or something like that around then. And I'm like, that's weird because I've never had gestational diabetes. And they're like, well, you know, your BMI. And I'm like, okay. And so finally, after like a, a couple of appointments of bullshit, I was like, hey, I just want to be really honest with you. Like, I do not want to talk about my BMI moving forward. I don't want to talk about my weight moving forward because the bottom line is I am pregnant. So I'm only going to continue to gain weight. And like, should any issues present themselves, we can manage them. But like, there are no issues now. Like, I want to be clear. There are no issues now. My blood pressure is great. I don't have gestational diabetes. Like, leave me alone. Okay. They said, okay, we're going to respect your wishes. Like, you know, whatever. So some other things that happened in this pregnancy that I should have like paid attention to the red flags were Florida ended their COVID ma mass mandates like super early, They like super early. And I personally like felt comfortable, especially with at that point, like, you know, the vaccines had just come out like while while I was pregnant. And, um, you know, I know people who were pregnant weren't comfortable getting vaccinated. Like it took me a while to warm up to getting vaccinated just because everything was so new. And so I'm like, OK, well, if all we have all of these high risk people, why are you 
a medical facility repealing the mask mandate. Like I am confused here. And so that was like a point where I was just like, what is going on? And they're like, well, you know, DeSantis rescinded the mask mandate. So we don't really feel like we can enforce it. I'm like, that's interesting because every other medical place that I'm going to is requiring masks. This is like 2021. And they're like, yeah, well, um, we don't really feel like we can enforce it. I'm like, that is bullshit. But also I'm like, okay, well, you know, I can wear a mask, you know, what can I control about this situation? I didn't really feel like I was getting good guidance on like the like vaccine situation. It just was starting to get really weird and my hackles were up, but I didn't want to listen to that. Cause I'm like, well, I had such an amazing experience these first two times. Like, why would I start over? Why would I, you know, why would I do any of those things? And so I, you know, voiced my discontent at the mask thing. Um, then, of course, we had, what was it, the Delta surge, which was like super bad, especially in Florida, because we had no real mitigations in place. And I just was starting to feel like very uncomfortable with my, like starting to feel very uncomfortable with the decision to birth there. But like, I just kind of swallowed it. I just felt like, I don't know. I like, let me just go along to get along. Maybe I'm overreacting, you know, whatever. Well, I am, I want to say 38 weeks. So I was at this point going for my um, weekly visits and I'm still wearing a mask. I ended up choosing to get vaccinated. Like I felt like I did took all of the precautions that I could to keep myself safe in a weird situation. And like with my doula had talked about like, okay, well maybe they can just call me when it's time to come in for my appointments. Cause I was really nervous about getting sick, particularly late in pregnancy, like knowing that the outcomes for pregnant people with COVID could be potentially death for me or the baby. So I just, you know, I just wasn't into it. And so, um, I go in for this 38-week visit, and we have this maternity passport, and it's where you record, like, you go in and, like, you know, you record, like, the, you, like, pee in a cup and, like, put the little stick in and can see, like, your sugar and all that stuff, and, like, you, like, the patient is responsible for recording all this stuff, Um, and so I open this maternity passport, and out of the, it falls this piece of paper and it's like BMI out of bounds. Like, I'm just like seeing all this shit that I'd never seen before. And I like, you know, I'd already been feeling reservations, already questioning my decision. And then I like, I had had a conversation with them at the beginning of my, my, of my pregnancy to say, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like it is what it is. If there's some health problems, we can navigate it that way. But you know, so far smooth sailing. And so this paper falls out right before they take my blood pressure. And I am like, irate. I'm sad. I'm just angry. I'm like feeling everything. And Travis couldn't be with me for a lot of my appointments. So I'm like texting him, like, let me just tell you what happened. I'm really upset. Like we'll talk after. And, and um, so they take my blood pressure and I'm just like trying to remain calm. And, they're like, did something happen? Like, is something wrong? Cause your blood pressure is high. And like, that's not the norm. And I'm like, no, I just had a long drive over from Tampa. Cause that day I got my hair done. Like I'm feeling good. I'm off work. Like I'm feeling good. 
And so then I go in to meet with a midwife who is the same midwife. I also had to have a very difficult conversation about the lack of COVID protocols. And she was, she, you know, was like, I understand. Um, I, I also, I also want to back up to say like, I'd had a difficult conversations about what I perceive to be really shitty COVID protocols in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a surge. And her response to me was, before we go back to this BMI conversation, her response to me was, well, we have patients who don't even want to see a vaccinated provider. And I said, okay, so are you going to start letting them write the policy, the people who clearly don't understand science and how this all works, write the policy? Like, what? You, ma'am, have a doctorate in nursing practice. Like, why are you letting Mary Sue with no credentials, advise your COVID policy. I'm very confused. And so, you know, we went back and forth about that. Like, you know, um, we, I just was like, it left a lot to be desired. And then we have this BMI thing that's about, that I'm about to get into. And I, I just, I, looking back, like, I really wish I would have listened to my gut about like, this is not the place for you anymore. Like it's something has changed and like, listen to the fact that something has changed and do something else. Like I did with my first pregnancy of like really listening to myself and knowing. And then I also think to myself, like, man, this has been a safe place where you had two of your kids. Like, of course you thought it was going to be the same. Of course you thought it was going to be safe. And so, okay. So back to the BMI. And so she's just like looking at my thing and she's just like, your blood pressure, like, is something up? What's wrong? And I'm like, you know, actually we had a whole conversation at the beginning of my pregnancy and it's in my chart that I didn't want to talk about BMI. And then in this appointment, this thing is tumbling out, falling on the floor. I pick it up and I see all this stuff and I'm really upset because I feel like a boundary that I set had been has been crossed and like, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm just, this is not what I want to be dealing with right now. And also like at this point, I'm like sobbing. I'm like upset. I don't have my husband there. Like I don't have anybody to help me navigate this conversation. And like, I felt like, and I feel like as a black woman, like I felt like my responsibility was to be like the fun patient, the patient that checks all the boxes, that does everything that they're supposed to do. So like this whole fucking time, I'm feeling like I'm non-compliant, even though I, I was compliant. I'm feeling like I'm a problem. I'm feeling like I'm treated like I'm pathological in like now this. And so I'm like, I'm just sobbing at this point. I'm like so upset that this is what the shit I'm dealing with 38 weeks in, you know, not that far from having a baby. And, you know, I'm just like so upset. Um, and so she's just like, I'm sorry, I'm going to note it in our chart. Um, one of the other um, midwives is doing a, her project for her, do or her thesis or whatever for her doctorate in um, midwifery is doing um, her report on BMI. And I'm like, what does that have to do with me? Like, I did not even consent to be a part of somebody's project. Like, I'm just just beside myself at this point. They take my blood pressure. It's even higher than when they took it before. And I'm just like mad, sad, all of it. And so I get, I leave 
And they're like, well, before I go, they're like, okay, with your blood pressure being high, like we want you to get a cuff and like check it on your own. And if it goes above this threshold, like let us know, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I call Travis and I'm just like despondent. I'm just hysterical in the parking lot of this place. And he's just like, okay, like, I'm sorry that happened to you. Like, you know, you you did a really good job of being empathetic. And I call my doula and she's just like, you know, you don't have to give birth there. Right. And I'm like, I mean, I'm 38 weeks. Like, I don't, you know, I don't want, like, I don't want to cause a fuss, like, you know, all of the things. Right. And she's just like, you don't, you don't have to give birth there. If you don't want to, I like, you've been unhappy for a while and I'm not telling you what to do. I will support you wherever you want to give birth, but like, you do not have to give birth there if you don't want to. Um, and so, I thought about that and I just kind of hung out at home and I got the blood pressure cuff. So that's a Wednesday. Thursday, I take my blood pressure the next morning. It's even higher than it was the day before. And I'm like, shit, but it wasn't at that threshold. And trap my husband works in um, the medical profession. He works in physical therapy. So he's just like, I think he was stressed, but not telling me that he was stressed about my blood pressure going up. And so he's like, well, call them and see what they say. So I call them and they're like, well, it's not the threshold. So don't worry about it. I'm like, okay. And so at the meantime, I'm like thinking like, okay, well, um, let me back up. So that Wednesday I was like, she's like, well, I mean, Mary Catherine, this midwife in our area has like, can do a home birth if you want one. And I I had not really thought about it because I was like, oh, that's like, maybe that's too out there even for me. Like, I don't know. Like, it just seems like a lot, you know, all this, but like, when she said it, like my gears started turning and I was like, oh, maybe I would like a home birth. Like I could do that. Like maybe, why not? So of course I tell Travis this at 38 weeks and he's just like, and, and after I've like said, I have this situation we need to monitor. And he's just like, what? (laughs) I'm like, I mean, I think that we should just um, switch to a home birth because, you know, I'm not happy here. I don't feel good about having Aviva here. This is some bullshit. Like, you could, we can, we're starting to see the effects of like how good I'm not feeling about this. And he's like, uh, what? Like, I mean, he just was like, I, and also I like kind of threw it at him at like 10 o'clock at night as I've been stewing on this all day. And so we went to bed, not very, happy with each other. And then the next morning I was like, Hey, this is really important to me. I'm really not happy. Like I I do not feel safe giving birth to my baby in the setting. And by the way, we decided not to know, find out what the sex of the baby was. So like, we didn't know who was coming. And I'm like, I have identified a podcast for you to watch, to listen to about home birth and how to prepare. And I really would like for you to consider that this is what we are doing. And he was like, okay. But before that, he was just like, oh my God, we're going to have to get the house industrially cleaned. I have not prepared for this. Like, I mean, he was like panicked. And so the next morning I was like, I have identified the materials. I would like for you to review this and we can have a conversation later. I love it. I love it. I love it. And so this is Thursday. And we, my blood pressure is like still not really cooperating. And then 
I was like, Friday, uh, Travis, Friday, we need to make a decision what we're doing. Cause like, I want to let the midwife know. I want to get everything transferred. I want to have time if like we are really moving forward with changing. Well, I take my blood pressure on Friday and it's high, but it's still not at that threshold. And I'm like, okay, well, I have some things to do today. I'm going to go to a friend's house and she made me lunch and we just talked and like, it was just very nice. And I had ordered the wrong size crib mattress. So I donated it to the local place for unhoused mothers. And like, I'm feeling good about myself. I'm feeling good. I'm like, we're doing this. I'm going to call Mary Catherine. We're going to have a home birth. And like, it's going to be great. Well, I go to CVS and take my blood pressure. And it was um, like 170 something over 106. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. And I'm like, surely the CVS machine is broken. I'm going to mosey on down to the fire department down the street and have them take my blood pressure. And so I knock on the door and I'm big and pregnant and I'm like, um, yeah, can you, um, can you guys take my blood pressure? And they're like, sure. Are you feeling okay? I'm like, I feel fine. And they take it and they look confused and they're like, ma'am, this is 174 over 106. Like, what is the plan? And I'm like, um, it's fine. I'm going to call the birth center. And I'm going to call my husband and it's going to be fine. And they're like, okay, but you have a plan, right? I'm like, yeah. So I call the birth center and they don't answer the phone um, because it's lunchtime. I leave a message and I call Travis and like, oh, by the way, he'd been like blowing me up the whole day because he's just like, how are you feeling? You know, and I was hanging out with my friend and I didn't answer in a timely fashion. He's just like sending texts like, I trust all is well. Like, you know, he's on a a revolutionary war battle. I trust all is well. And you're just away from your phone. That's why you're not answering me. And I'm like, I'm fine. It's fine. I feel good. Like we're good. And so I call him and I tell him what's going on. And he's just like, um, call the birth center back immediately. And I'm like, if they don't call me by two 15, you know, it's going to be fine. I'll call them. I'll call them back. They don't call me by two fifteen because it was like around one thirty ish or something. Whenever they came back from lunch, and he's like, uh, "Okay," and also I'm just going to take a half day. I'm like on my way home. I was like, oh, "Okay, great." And so my midwife, who had been at the birth center um, the whole time I'd I'd been going there, and who I felt the closest to, which is also why I was just like, "What the fuck is going on?" Um, she calls me back and she's just like, Hey, um, I'm immediately transferring you to the hospital because we need to get the baby out. We have like transitioned to an emergent situation. And I'm like, excuse me. And she's just like, where's, yes, where's Travis? And I'm like, he said he's on the way. And she's just like, that's good. She's like, I'm calling them. I'm getting the paperwork now. And I'm just like shocked. I'm like, what? Because I never had blood pressure problems. I don't know what any of these numbers mean. I'm thinking they're going to call me and tell me that they're going to come and like maybe I'll smell some lavender or something and calm down. It'll be fine. And she's just like, no. And so I am at this point devastated. I mean, I'm like hysterical. Um, I was just like, she's just like, so here's the deal. They're probably going to give you hydrolyzine to get your blood pressure down. Uh, You're going to be induced. And I'm like, this is everything I did not fucking want ever. 
in a birth at any point. Like, what are you talking about? And so I call Travis back and I'm hysterical. He's like, I'm already on the way home. Here's what you need to do. You need to pack, repack a bag. Cause you know, at the birth center, you're not staying more than six hours. And, um, you need to, to repack, you need to pack the bag. You need to get ready to go and like pull the car out to the drive out of the driveway so I can pull mine in. And like, we're going to just go to the hospital. And I'm like, but I haven't washed any of the baby's things. And he's just like, please do not wash anything. Do the things that I'm asking you to do. And we're just going to go. So I'm like hysterical. I have to call my mom and tell her what's going on. And I'm like, and by the way, can you please wash the baby's things? Cause I haven't had a chance to do that yet. And she's just like, okay. And so like, I like called my older sister to tell her and, and I'm like, I'm just so upset. And she's just like, she, she is empathetic, but I think also she's just kind of like one of those people who, when you call in a situation like that, she's like, you do what you need to do to keep the baby safe. She's not like trying to talk to me about my feelings during all this. And so I repack all my stuff. I get ready to go. Um, I'd ordered a car seat, but it wasn't coming until like two days later. So this is Friday. All the shit started on Wednesday. Um, and so then we, um, I'm, I'm like, okay, I've got everything in place pretty much. I've packed everything. I still have time to at least start this load of laundry. And then when my mom comes, she can flip it. And so like, I've got like this stuff in my hands, like all these little tiny baby clothes. And I just hear the garage door open and I'm just like busted. And I'm like, oh shit. And Travis, like I could tell was trying to remain calm, but he's like, I told this lady, like, we need to just be ready to go. <laughs> You don't have any more things to do. So, okay. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Tap out. And so, yeah. Yes. And so I get my stuff. I also was like, well, clearly we're going to be taking a picture with this baby. And I also forgot to pack earrings. And I'm like, can you go and get some? And he's like, no. I, he just brought the entire like jewelry organizer full of earrings. And I could tell he wanted to go off so bad, but he knew it was already a bad situation. And he was just like, okay. And so I'm texting the midwife or texting my doula, like letting everybody know. And like, I'm hysterical, like just breaking into down into tears, like just constantly. And so we're on the way to the hospital. We get there, we um, get checked in and um, everything was okay. Like my blood pressure was still, you know, they put you on the cuff and they're like measuring and, you know, like it's going off every so often. And um, so we do that. And then we, what happened? And so father time, like I literally feel like this man looked like he started the pro the, the, the practice of gynecology rolls in and I'm like, Oh hell no, immediately. No, immediately. No. So I'm just trying to remain calm. And like this whole time the the monologue in my head was like, cause my blood pressure would be under the range for them to give me hydrolyzine. They were looking for two elevated readings in a row and like, it would not give them two in a row. And so we, um, we, um, he rolls in and in my mind, I'm like, oh, since it's like not elevated, they're going to tell me to go home and then come back. Like when I'm ready, when labor is like ready. And 
I don't know why I thought that, maybe because I'd never given birth in a hospital before, but I was delusional. And I didn't say anything to anybody. I just was like, I'm just going to manifest this. I'm going to manifest my blood pressure going down. I'm going to manifest them sending me home. I'm going to manifest all the natural ways to get labor going. And then I will return to this hospital. It's fine. And I don't know if this man read my mind, but he's just like, ma'am, you are going to be 39 weeks on Sunday. It's Friday. Like, we just need to get the baby out. Like, at this point, like, there's nothing else we need to do. Like, you're not going home. And I was like, okay. And then I thought to myself, I will not be giving birth with this man, though. So as soon as he moseyed on out, because he's one of those doctors who's like lifting stuff up. He's poking. He's not asking for consent. He's just doing. I'm like, absolutely you gotta not. Go. Will I be giving birth with this mm, man? No. Bye. So I asked the nurse, I'm like, when is his, sh- when is his shift over? And she was just like, he's out um, at midnight. I was like, okay, cool. I don't want to start anything that you all want to do until he's gone. And she was like, okay. And so. And that's how you know she knew. (laughs) She knows exactly who he is. And she knew exactly why you said that. Yes. So they gave me, ended up giving me Cytotec that night. Is that the name of it? I think that's it. Or Cervidil, something, something like that. And, um, uh, and by the way, I was already having contractions. Like they're like, um, have you noticed that you're having contractions fairly regularly? And I was like, I mean, not with all this hullabaloo no. going on. And they're like, yes, you have. You flew around BS six centimeters again, <laughs> just walking in. <laughs> and so they're like, you're like one centimeter dilated. I'm like, oh, okay. And so we start the side attack, um, I was like, I'm not going to have the doula come all the way out here until it's like where it's showtime, not showtime, but like enough time for us to know what's going on. And so like through the night, I had the side attack, I think, or Cervidil, whatever it is. And um, I was still one centimeter. And then by this point, they had switched over. I had a woman doctor, like she was younger. They weren't with the shits, you know, like this, it was, I was like, okay, I can do this. And What I really liked about the hospital is they were like, we know that this is not your first choice. We know. And we know that you're not going to have the experience that you want. But what can we do to make it as close as we can? What are you most afraid of? Like, And I was like, I'm most afraid of a cascade of interventions. I was like, immediately went to the business of being poor. I'm like, I am afraid of a cascade of interventions and I'm going to have a C-section. You're going to do all the shit. I'm going to have a C-section. And they're like, okay, we're going to work to make sure that you get what you want. I'm like, they're like, what do you want? What don't you want? I'm like, okay, I don't want any medication. I don't want to be harassed. I don't want to, you know, let me do my thing. I was like, my water always breaks in labor. So we don't need to worry about that. Like, you know, let's do that. They were like, okay, we're going to do the best thing that we can to make all this happen. And so by, I was like, look, if by noon, we're not, this is now Saturday. If by noon, I haven't gotten any further than, you know, what we are, then like, okay, we can start the Pitocin because I knew I was going to have to be induced. They're like, we could try a bunch of other stuff, but like, it may not work. And so my doula was there and Travis was there and like, we tried the things and um, like, whatever we could do naturally. Cause I'm like, can I go outside and walk? And they're like, no, (laughs) 
I'm so used to being able to go outside, like do what I need to do to get the, do the things that I need to do to get things going. And they're like, uh, no. I was like, oh, okay. So by like noonish on Saturday, they give me the Pitocin, which I've never had Pitocin. I've never had any of that. And like, holy shit. It was like extremely intense, extremely intense. Um, and, um, so what happened? It didn't start off like too terrible. Like I was, you know, laughing, but very soon after nothing was funny. Like it was real intense. And I, you know, I listened to my body as best I could. My doula was very good about like, get on this ball, like, don't stay in this position too long. Let's get to the toilet. Like all the things we're doing all the things. And, um, I just remember, like, I ended up throwing up in labor again, but like, I made a less regrettable choice for lunch. It was less terrible coming up than the spaghetti with Asher. And, um, I was like going back and forth and I was on the bed and on the ball and they had a, like a Chuck's pad on the ball and there was like some blood on the ball. And I was like, no big deal. That happens in, in birth. But like Travis and my doula, Yamel, were like, ooh, that's like really red. And I'm like, I, they didn't say anything to me. I'm just like going through the motions. Like, okay, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're having a baby. So then we have the, so then it starts to feel like very intense here. I took some notes. So let me see if I can find them. Um, so we start to feel like, I'm starting to feel like, like, pushy. Like I'm starting to feel like it's starting to get time. Like it's getting really intense. So I tell my, you know, alert the people like, Hey, I'm starting to feel pushy. And, um, and I told them like from the beginning, I do not want to be laying flat on this bed, giving birth. I want a bar. I want, you know, some stuff. And they're like, okay. And here we are. They've got all these bright overhead lights, you know, in the birth center, it's like dim People are soft voices, you know, uh, you know, you got your music choice. I'm like, why are 10 people at the end of the bed just standing there like and introducing themselves? I'm like, what, what, what is this? And like bright lights. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this the vibes are off. But whatever. We're going to do what I do. We're going to make it happen. And I'm like, where's the bar? And everybody's just kind of ignoring me. I'm like, I told you all, I do not want to lay back and give birth. Like, this is not natural. I don't want to do this. Um, Anyway, nobody was paying attention to me. Um, And so I just was like, what? And so I'm like feeling very pushy. It's starting to feel really intense. And then the doctor is like fucking talking. She's just talking. And I'm like, I had told them, I'm like, I don't want to do all that talking. I need quiet. I need, like, I know what I need to be able to bring a baby into the world. I know what I'm doing. I'm really good at this. Birth is my sport. So, like, let me do my thing. And so she's talking, and I felt like everybody was doing all this yammering, and I'm just like, what? what is going on? Where is the bar? Nobody's giving me anything I've asked for. And so I'm, like, feeling, like, pushy. It's feeling intense. It's feeling hard. And she's just like, okay, well, um, the reason that like you might feel like you're not getting anywhere with the pushing is because your water hasn't broken. I'm like, I told you my water does not break, you know, until I'm in this phase, like 
I told you, I told you this is going to happen. And she was just like, well, I mean, we could break your water for you and then that will make things go faster. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I'm like looking at Travis, I'm looking at my doula Yamel and Yamel, you know, she's got the mask on and she's like nodding, like you want to do you, it's okay. It's okay to have this intervention. Cause I'm, I'm still thinking like, oh, maybe my baby will be born in call. Like maybe I'll still have some magical experience in the hospital. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I got to let that go. And um, so then she breaks my water and she breaks it like at the peak of a contraction. You know, you see it on the thing and I'm just like, oh my gosh. And she's just like talking. She's like, okay, I've broken the water. I'm like, I feel it. I like I seemed it. I know. And so she's just like, I'm like, she's still talking. Why is she still talking? Um, is she not looking at this machine? Like I, I'm at, I'm, the contractions are on top of each other. Like I cannot handle any more talking. And so I'm like, I, I just need quiet. Okay. Like I just, I need quiet. Um, and Travis is like, you weren't being as intense as you think you were. Cause I'm just like, maybe in my head, I was just like, girl, please be quiet. Um, and so that happens. And then I feel like I had a, like a push and I'm just like, can I get the bar? Like I've asked, I've asked for a bar like three times now and everybody still ignored me. And so she's just like, um, the other thing is there's a lot of blood. And I was like, okay, I'm having a baby. I'm like, and there's nothing I can do about that now. Can we address it after the baby's here? <laughs> and she's just like, Okay. And so like, I knew that the baby was coming. Right. So the baby is like, you know, you lose all sense of time at this point, Mm -hmm. right? Like all of this feels like it's taken forever, but it was like the Pitocin happened at 1230 ish. And she was born at like right before 5 PM. Like it would happen really fast. Um, And so I, I like, I feel like maybe like right after that, I push her out and they, and they, like, I just feel like this warm, wriggly, like, thing. And they, like, put it, like, have her. And I didn't know who she was. I didn't know it was a girl or a boy or what. And they're like, Dad, do you want to say who it is? And he's like, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, a girl, I think. <laughs> and then, <laughs> oh, Travis. He's like, I couldn't tell. Everything's swollen. I don't know. And I'm like. And I'm like, oh my God, like, it's a girl. I'm like, I have a daughter. And so I'm like, the baby's on my chest. And I'm like, I, I was like, Travis, we did it. We did it. I'm so proud of us. Like we did it. And it like, to me, it felt like we did a lot of things, right? Like we like survived a really shitty season in our marriage. Like we have had like this family, like so many things, like we did it, like we did it, like we did it, Joe. And so I'm just like, I'm so proud of us. I'm like, I just was crying and like, just so happy that she was here and out and on me and that I had a daughter. And um, I'm like, hey, by the way, I want you all to save my placenta. I'm not planning on consuming it or anything, but like, I don't know, maybe I want to plant a tree or something. Just don't, don't get rid of it. And so, um, I have this baby on me and like, I'm just like feeling like overwhelmed that like we did it and like what had been traumatic and stressful and hard, like it was over and like she was here. And so um, afterwards um, I was like, 
did they save my placenta? And they're like, no. And I was like, what? And Travis is like, and Yamel were like, yeah, your placenta looked really bad. They're like, it was like, it did not look good. It did not look good. And I was like, that's weird. And Travis was like, I think with your high blood pressure, you know, all the capillaries might have like popped and like, it just didn't look good. You know, who knows? Um, And they were like, we were really worried about the bleeding. Like it was really bad. It was really red. Like we were all really concerned. Obviously we didn't say anything to you, but like we were worried. And then of course, you know, I'm in the hospital. So they're still worried about my blood pressure. They're still worried about all the things. Um, But also like we have this baby, we had names picked out, but we didn't, we had ideas, but we had no name picked out. And like, she came out and she was like screaming, which is in contrast to my boys who were like, you know, one was limp and doing nothing. And the other one was like, kind of like not doing a whole lot. And like, she comes out and her eyes were wide open. She's screaming. She's red. Like, she's just like, I'm here. And so um, Travis was like, I know what her name is. Cause we talked about Anya. We talked about like, I liked the name Azalea. He didn't. Um, and I was like, I don't know. I really like the name of Viva. I told him about it. And he's just like, I don't know. That might be a little bit too weird. It might be a little too out there for me. And then she came and he's like, I know what her name is. And I was like, what? I'm thinking like, oh, he's going to say Anya or something. And he's just like, it's a Viva. It's a Viva. She is a Viva. And I'm like, yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And Aviva means springtime or fresh in Hebrew. And it was just like, to me, she's like the springtime of like my life. Like she came after such a really Mm -hmm. hard season of like depression and anxiety and like marriage almost ending and all of these things. And like, she's just been the perfect completion to our family. And there will be, as far as I know, no more Bob Ross happy accidents because Travis immediately got a vasectomy. (laughs) <laughs> you guys finally mastered <laughs> we took greater lengths because clearly if we're leaving it up to the two of us it's you know they're just going to be really cute kids right so how was postpartum for you after this wholly different experience with aviva's birth um who were you after them? That's Especially really in the immediate questions. postpartum when you got home. So immediate postpartum, like I stayed in the hospital longer than I thought. I thought I'd be out like Sunday, but they kept me till like Monday, like late afternoon because um, they were worried about my blood pressure and all that stuff. But it, it was fine after she was here. And honestly, I think she did not want to be born at that birth center either. So she was just like, if I have to take some measures. I'm getting out of here and we're not doing it there if you aren't going to make a decision. (laughs) And so um, immediately after the Aviva is the first kid that I had paid leave for. Um, I did not have any paid parental leave with my other two kids. And so I knew going into that, that I was going to have almost six months at home with her. And so like, to me, and then also not have to worry about money and not have to worry about any of those other things. And Travis also took, nine weeks of FMLA off to be with us. And so like, it just felt like a very cozy, like just a very cozy, special time. And I will say 
with my other two boys, like with Axel, especially I had some postpartum that I, you know, like didn't want to deal with. So like, I just, you know, fudged it on the questionnaire. Um, and then after I was in survival mode because I had a 20 month old baby. And so like, I just didn't even have time to process any of that. It just was all very hard and not very fun. And with Aviva, I had to recover from what was a traumatic experience, but I also had the, the benefit of time and I had the benefit of like having money because my pay wasn't cut while I was on leave and I had access to pay. And the third thing was, is I had my partner home with me for nine, nine weeks, which meant that like, we could just like be in a unit. Like I could like, I literally asked Travis to do everything. I don't think I drove a car for like six weeks. He made dinner. He got the boys off to school. He made all of our meals. He, you know, did everything that he was capable of doing. So when people are like, oh, well, what does your husband do when he's off, you know, work? I'm like, everything. He takes care of me and he takes care of her and he takes care of the rest of us. Like, and that's enough. And that is enough. And that, you know, I wish that for everybody, that everybody didn't have their partner saying I took a week off. I took two days. I took three mm-hmm. days because it's just unacceptable. Um, and so, you know, I even started this nonprofit chamber of mothers, which is focused on securing federal paid leave, um, affordable and accessible childcare and maternal health because of my experience with her, because of seeing how different my experiences were with my boys and the experience with her having access to paid leave and really feeling that it is just completely morally reprehensible that everybody doesn't have access to that. That's a wrap. But my, my, my processing of like, I had time to process, you know, and I still sometimes feel like I'm processing her birth and like the lessons from having her, which, you know, is the big lesson to me is like, pay attention when people, places or things have changed. And it's okay to say that, or if I've changed and it's okay to say this has changed and I need something different or I've changed and I need something different and that I can stand firmly in that. And that is okay. And that is more than okay. And that's listening to myself and honoring myself. Um, you know, cause if I had it to do all over again, I would have just like had a home birth and like had this like, different, you know, magical experience. That's not to say like my experience with her wasn't magical. It was certainly different, but like, I also like think, man, like I ended off my birth, like with not in the way that I wanted to, you know? Um, And so I think about that a lot too. That's fair. You had a lot taken from you, you know, a lot of choices that weren't yours at all like even like it's not even like okay red or blue right I didn't red and blue were never on the table for you at first you know like those those choices like they weren't even something you wanted to pick from and so to switch gears while you're in your head thinking you can change to a different provider and that you can still make something different happen that aligned more to what you wanted than having that pulled up from under you and, and just sitting in that, you know, and knowing that birth comes certainly the way it wants to. And we, you know, often make as many plans as we can 
but in that time frame and what was going on with your body, that was the choice. And can you imagine having been in the birth center with, you know, there mm-hmm. that that was where your blood pressure first spiked, right? Like you you kind of returned to the scene of the crime. Yes, and like I exactly, and I I really feel like you know I didn't have any blood pressure issues before that point, and again that happened at thirty eight and a half weeks. So it was just kind of like I really feel like my body, like the wisdom of my body, was like no you are in danger. This is not it. You don't want to have your baby here. Like, no, 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 no. And if you won't listen to all the warning signs, like we're going to make it abundantly clear that this is not it. And I'm, you know, deeply grateful for that in a lot of ways too, because I, you know, so the other thing is, you know, you have your postpartum visits and I really could not imagine bringing my baby there with no COVID protocols and all of those things. And so the home birth midwife that I wanted to transfer to was like, I will come to your home and I will do your postpartum visits. You do not have to go back there. If you don't want to, I would be honored to do it. And it was so magical and beautiful. And like, even though I didn't have my birth the way that I you know, wanted it to be like, it really was still such like a beautiful healing process of like, it is not too late Mm -hmm. to advocate for yourself. It is not too late to choose a different way. Um, And to have people who really, you know, showed up for me, like my doula, Yamel and Mary Catherine and my midwife that was, you know, away from my birth center and um, Travis even like, you know, he's just like, I didn't really have the words to say like, Hey, I was really worried that something horrible was going to happen and that I might not only lose you, but I might lose my child because I know how serious high blood pressure is on a, you know, on a regular non-pregnant person. So like, I didn't have the words to say like, Hey, I'm, I'm really nervous to like change to a home birth with all this going on. I'm really nervous to, to do any of that. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. And so like we had those conversations after she was born and we've done a lot of processing together and, and it has just been a very, like her birth was like so healing for me in a lot of ways. And it signified a lot for me, like a springtime in my life. But I also feel like her birth really taught me that I am safe to advocate for myself and I'm safe to stand in. I do not feel safe here. I don't like this. I don't want this. And that is enough. I don't have to be a model patient for anybody. I don't have to go along to get along. I don't have to make something work that doesn't work anymore. It is safe and smart for me to pay attention to when things have changed and pay attention. And I will never, ever, 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 ever abandon myself like that again, ever. And I really feel like her birth taught me that I don't don't have to do that. And I should not do that. And I will not do that. I love that. These little people come with lessons, don't they? I call them my little spiritual teachers. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners, whether it was about your birth or other resources and services that were supportive to you? I think I would say just 
you know, I think anybody listening to this podcast is exploring all of their options, right? What, you know, no matter the venue. And I would say, even if you're in, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, it, it will, this whole crisis will be solved by midwives. And that's not true. If they're not culturally competent, and if they are, you know, putting, you know, I, I will say that I think part of the reason that my birth center changed was that they were catering to a lot of people who quite frankly were quite crazy um, and the pandemic only made them crazier. And so they were catering to that contingent at the expense of everybody else and at the expense of them knowing what was true scientifically, what was true, um, just what was true. They were really catering to people who did not, we're not existing in any type of fact-based reality. Um, and I would say that it is so important to pay attention to, you know, not only like, it's not just the setting, right? It's not just getting out of the hospital. It's really making sure that you feel like the people that are, are there to support you during this very intimate time have your best interests at yes. heart. And they're not, don't have somebody else's best interest at heart or their best interest at heart, right? And so I would say, you know, even if you've done something a million times one way, it doesn't mean that you can't change your mind at another point or, you know, align with people who are better, going to fit your needs a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is really what I would say to anybody is like, you could find that in a hospital. And I think even in the hospital, like I still had to be very firm and very clear about the things that I wanted and not budge on that. And also paying attention to like, oh no, they're not going to induce me with this man on call. Absolutely not. I will end up with a C-section. I don't think so. Um, And it's also like paying attention to like any of those things. Like it feels like many times things are out of our control, but like just thinking about like, okay, well, where, what I have control in simply stating my preferences and standing firm in what I want and what I know to be true and what I'd like and advocating for myself. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for um, that reminder, you know, of self-advocacy. It's important. Yes. Doulas, your partners, but at the end of the day, it is you. Sometimes it has to come up and say, you know, we're doing something different. We're doing something that actually aligns with who I am and what my expectations are of my care. Um, I, I say it all the time, like the people we hire, whether it be the doctor, a midwife, you know, the people we choose to be with us for a birthing process, like that is us choosing ourselves. That is us choosing um, in saving ourselves. When you say like, yes, the midwives are not going to save the day. They're not. It's about people being able to have access to all of the resources and choosing what works best for them. And when we don't have access, mm-hmm. like you say, like the midwives, like a lot of times in a lot of states, like our, our insurances aren't covering, you know, home births or birth centers. It depends on, you know, where you are. But a lot of times most people go to the hospital because that's what they can afford because it's, being paid for by the insurance. And so you have a midwife who is basing her policies on who can afford her services, right? Um, And that's not 
the best interests of everyone, just like you said. So a lot of times when we don't think of ourselves first or we assume that providers are looking out for our best interests, we, we find ourselves in some really challenging positions. And it's important to always remember yourself and don't get lost. And that's the beginning of motherhood is don't get lost. Self-advocating. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Thank you for having me and holding this space and letting me share my wild and wonderful stories. With I you. love them. I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait okay. to share Thanks them. For listening to Birth Stories in Color. <laughs> to hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com.